0: Today we're starting a four-week series during Christmas called Travel Light, and we want to travel light because we're going to talk today about some baggage in our lives and some ways that we can maybe get rid of some of the baggage in our lives. You know, some of the baggage that's in our life, it's not our own fault. People have hurt us, things have happened in our lives, Uh, our parents may have modeled poorly for us. Some of the baggage in our life has been kind of thrust upon our backs, but some of the baggage. As you saw in the video, we purchase and we fill ourselves, and so we want to talk about some of those things today. Most of us are carrying around that kind of baggage that keeps us from really the blessings and the relationships that God wants us to have. In this series, we're going to talk about a few of those things, and even more importantly than talking about them, really how to let them go how to get rid of them in our lives, maybe forever, hopefully. So this week, we're going to talk about letting go of distractions. A lot of those have been modeled for us or we have uh, created on our own. But next week, we're going to talk about letting go of bitterness. And if uh, it's a really interesting thing about bitterness, the longer you live on this planet, the more people hurt you more time you've had to be hurt and for people to disappoint you and do things uh, to let bitterness creep in. And then uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to talk about letting go of control. So invite all of your control freak friends that don't know Jesus uh, to come to church that Sunday, and they'll get to hear how to kind of uh, get rid of some of the pressure of having, con- having to or needing to have control of things all the time. And they'll also hear the gospel of Jesus. And then also uh, right before we start the new year, we'll talk about letting go of your past which is a great way to move into the future. But let's talk today about letting go of distractions. A distraction a distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving their full attention to something else. In other words, this thing is drawing my attention away from something else. That is the actual definition of a, of a distraction. It's a drawing of the mind to something other than where the focus should be. Now we live in absolutely the most distracted society ever on the planet. I'm convinced of that. While we are more connected than ever before, we are also more distracted than ever before. In fact, we're training our brains in a way to uh, to where it's almost becoming more difficult to stay focused on a task for a long period of time. Now, I know that there are children with actual psychological issues and I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But I'm, I'm convinced that part of the problem with our children these days and their they need to be on medication, their need to uh, have uh, some kind of outside help because they can't sit still. They can't, they can't, you know, they're just constantly going is because they're constantly being distracted. My grandsons are 12 and 10 and 6 and, no, 7 and 5, somewhere in there. They're somewhere in that area. They keep having birthdays. It messes me all up. And, and when you look at their Christmas list, it's iPad and iPhone and all this technology stuff. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what happens is they get distracted. They're constantly being distracted about things. And, and I'm just convinced that, uh, you know, I could have been a kid that was uh, diagnosed ADHD and was told to, you know, take medication and do all these things. Uh, but my parents just said, no, you're going to sit still and you're going to shut your mouth. And this is how it's going to be. Now, you can get a spanking and still do it, or you can just do it on your own. I chose to do it on my own sometimes. But the point was, they taught me, they, t- they actually taught me how to be a focused person. They taught me how to watch a, a movie and stay focused. And these days, I just it's just kind of left our culture. What are the results of this? Well, scientists and doctors do say a, dec- a decrease in creativity uh, is a result. Uh, efficiency decreases productivity decreases, and relationships suffer because we're constantly being distracted. In fact, many of you have been distracted at least five or more times because of your phone already since the service has started. Somebody just texted me. Now, that's got to be a joke. One of you, come on, cut that out. Listen, constantly being distracted or being constantly distracted by the same things can be a bag that we carry around and it can destroy ourselves and our relationships if we allow it. So let's talk about distractions for for a time today and uh, just see if we can maybe learn some things that will help us to get rid of some of the distractions in our life. First of all, I want you to see the distraction is a scheme of Satan. We know that before we give our lives to Jesus, Satan wants to keep us from him. He's doing everything he can to keep us from giving our lives to him. But folks, after we've given our lives to Christ, he doesn't just go away he now wants to keep us away from Christ. He wants to keep us from getting connected to him. He wants us to keep from getting connected to his church and to to be really living out the Christian life. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I was going to show you a little video of a lion running through the desert and you know, grabbing an animal, but I thought it might freak some kids out, uh, so I didn't want to show you that. But you've seen those videos. You know what I'm talking about. That's what Satan is doing. That's the word picture the Bible's uh, setting for us here. He's like, he's just waiting. He's, he's waiting to pounce. If we'll just give him an inch, just you just do it. He's actively looking to devour our life and our testimony for Christ. And distraction can be a very uh, cunning thing, can be a very cunning strategy by him, because most of the time, distractions are not inherently evil activities. Think about that for a minute. We fall for this, we fall for being distracted like this, because we tell ourselves, well, this isn't a wrong thing, it's not a bad thing, it's not an evil thing, I'm, I'm not being tempted to do something evil. Uh, you know, listen, if, if, I bet if we took a poll right now in this room, we said, how many of you were tempted this week to become a drug dealer? I'll bet nobody would, you just, nobody would say that. If we said, okay, well, let's take a poll. and See, how many of you decided this week, uh, now's the time to become a prostitute? Probably nobody would do that. You see, Satan doesn't come after us for the really intrinsically evil, wrong things because we're smart enough to go, well, I can't, I can't do that. I shouldn't be, I'm not going to do that. That's going to ruin my life. I'm not going to do that thing. But what he does, he tries to sneak us into doing some really good things that aren't the best things. That's how we get caught up in this trap. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and pay close attention to the word distraction in the passage. Here's what it says. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So if you didn't catch all that, what's happening is Jesus goes to this house, and Martha owns, and she's like, you know, she's the hostess with the mostest, man. She's, she's making sure everybody's glasses filled, and, you know, she's making sure everybody has plenty of cheese and crackers, and she's, just, she's serving, and she's uh, uh, hostessing, and she's doing all this, and she's just taking care of everybody. Now, nobody would think that's wrong. That's just not a wrong thing to do. It's not evil. It's not sinful in any way. In fact, there are spiritual gifts like hospitality. Giving that may take a word. But what was her sister Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to every word. She was fixed on every word he said to hear from the Savior. And Martha's busy doing stuff. She's busy, busy doing stuff, which is, you know, not bad or evil, but she was distracted. She was doing a really good thing that became a really bad distraction. She was waiting on Jesus and making sure that everybody had what they needed. But Mary, Mary was focused on Jesus and him alone. So letting go of our distractions isn't necessarily about not doing bad things. It's about staying focused and doing the best things. Keep that in mind as we talk, okay? Satan does not have to destroy us if he can simply distract us. Think about that. He doesn't have to destroy us. All he has to do is distract us, and he's got us right where he wants us. So, listen, if he can prevent us from giving our focus to Christ, like Martha, his strategy of distraction has won the day. So the first step is understanding Satan's plan, what he's trying to do. But let's talk about what maybe some of the biggest traps are in our culture and in our lives today. Now, before I get into this, (laughs) I'm listening to my sermon too, okay? Uh, So these things apply to me just like they apply to you. And um, I'll probably step on some of your toes. But listen, there's a balance in this, and I want you to hear that carefully today. I don't want anybody to send me an email this week that says, well, we're leaving Fellowship of Grace because, you know, we went on that uh, family vacation last week and we missed her, so we can't come back. No, don't get weird on me and swing the pendulum way to the extreme, okay? But listen carefully to what we talk about here. First of all, our most common distractions, and we're going to start with our family. You know that more people miss church and church activities. These are members of churches, members of churches miss church and church activities for family things more than any other thing. Do you realize that? Most of our lives are filled with more family and kid activities than any other thing. And especially if your kids are in that active age of, you know, five to 15, they're not driving yet, but they're, they're doing, going and doing stuff. You know, your lives are just filled with your kids. You've maybe heard people say these things, or maybe you've heard them come out of your mouth before. My kids are the most important thing in my life. My family comes first. I live for my kids. Folks, these are things that no Christian parent should ever think, and they should not say. If you say those things to your kids, they are a confession that we have become distracted and we are teaching our children to misplace their own focus by modeling poorly for them. We're basically telling them, kids, you're the center of my universe. No Christian should ever say that to their children. Okay. Do you love them? Of course. We'll talk about that balance here in a minute. But look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verses, see all the distractions, you're just going everywhere, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62, look what it says. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Now, we see here, especially these last two people, these people who want to put their families first and not Uh, uh, fit in to following Jesus. The second man we saw here, the first man, he's just concerned about a home. But the the second man here, he wants to bury his father first. He says, hey, listen, Jesus, I want to follow you, but let me bury my dad first and then I'll I'll follow you. Now, we don't even know if his dad was sick or if his dad was dead. We don't know that. It doesn't say that. Jesus says, listen, let the dead bury the dead. And he's talking not about physical, but spiritual things. But what this man is really saying is, hey, listen, Jesus, listen, I I like this idea of following you, but let me just take care of, you know, listen, when my parents are passed away and I got them buried and all my responsibilities are taken care of, when all that stuff gets worked out, then I will follow you. But what he's basically saying to Jesus is, Jesus, when it gets convenient, I'll follow you. But until my family's taken care of, I just can't find the time. The last man uh, here in this passage He wants to just uh, go home and say goodbye to his friends. Now, listen, that's not unreasonable. Jesus isn't an unreasonable, crazy person. It's not like, hey, let me go across the street, tell my parents goodbye, and then I'm off. I'm with you, Jesus. I'm ready to go. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, let me go back over here, wherever my parents are, and tell them goodbye. And that's just open-ended. I'm just going to tell them goodbye for a while. And then when I'm through with this, I'll come. See, folks, all this is about is is Jesus is talking to people about following him, and they all have an excuse why he can't be first. Why he can't be first. This is not about right and wrong. This is about good and best. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 26. says, if anyone comes to me, and this is Jesus talking, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, before anybody loses their mind, let's just understand what this is saying, okay? Jesus is not telling anybody to hate someone else. He's talking about a, a, a comparison, He's saying, listen, I, I know how you love your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, uh, your whole family. Okay? In comparison to your love for me, it should look like hate. So you love them at this level, you should love me at this level. And by the way, your kids should be a really, really, really distant second or third. Now, I know your kids will lose their minds if you say, man, kids, I love you so much, you're a distant second to Jesus. But you know what? They need to hear that because you're going to teach them that for their whole lives, he should be more important than anything else. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't care about them. Jesus isn't saying, hey, uh, be mean to people and treat them badly and hate all these. He's not saying that at all. He's just simply saying, listen, folks, in comparison to me, your love for your family should look like hatred compared to your love for me. Now, pastors... Uh, struggle with this a lot, and a lot of them lose their kids uh, because they get out of focus. They 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 let the church and the church ministries uh, just become the most important thing in their lives. Okay, they're out of balance, and and their kids become to resent them. They don't kids feel like they're a distant third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. That can happen. I want you to hear this carefully. What we're talking about here is a practical balance. With a clear and present priority focus. Does that make sense? Listen, you, we, there's all kinds of things that talk about loving your family. There, there's all kinds of passages that talk about that. But we don't love our families more than we love Jesus. And this can be a struggle for the, you know, really the best of Christians. The Bible teaches us to be responsible and responsive to our families, but not at the cost of our love and our commitment to him. And listen, we go through stages of life, and Satan is so, he's so wily, he's so ugh, evil, that he has a strategy for every phase of life. Think about it for a minute. When we get married, we wane for a while and we don't go to church because now we're finding a church that's right for both of us. Not his church, not her church, so we're just going to coast a while and see, visit a few places and maybe in a couple of years we'll find a place that's right for both of us. Then we have our first kid. We might miss church for a few weeks or months or years because, man, it's just too hard to go, it's too hard to participate. I mean, I feel like I'm moving every Sunday when I pack up the kids and the pack and play and the, you know, all these seats and stuff and, you know, I just go to church. Then when our kids are teenagers, we have, to, we have them in 15, 20 different activities We're driving to and fro everywhere, watching everyone do everything. And we begin to pull away from the body of Christ because we're distracted. When our kids finally get out of the house, I shouldn't have said it like that. When our kids finally get out of the house, we finally have some time to ourselves. And we go, okay, let's just go on vacation. Let's just take it easy for a while. Let's not participate in the church or anything. Let's just hang out and just kind of get our heads back on straight. See, then when our our parents begin aging, and they need us, we don't have time for church because we're caring for all their needs. We're we're, we're week after week after week after week caring for their needs. Folks, listen, nobody's telling you not to be challenged by bringing your little infant to church. I get it. I was there one day. Nobody's telling you uh, not to have your kids in activities. Nobody's telling you especially not to take care of your aging parents. I'm still in that stage now where I'm taking care of my aging mother right now but those things cannot happen at the expense at the expense of our relationship to Christ our families are blessings from God but they can become our greatest distractions if we don't keep things in the right perspective next most common distraction for us is the love or pursuit of money Now, none of us like to think about this very much because none of us wants to consider ourselves greedy people. None of us want to be greedy. I think that's probably true. But how many times have we let our jobs or our pursuit of our career hurt our relationship with Christ or our participation in his church? How many times has that single thing become the most important thing? Look what the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We work our whole lives to buy things that we can't take with us. Listen, I, I, as I was speaking to my mom last week, she's got some health problems and I'm having to take her to some doctor's things and she, she actually broke her pelvis and she's having some challenges right now and I'm trying to help her as much as I possibly can. Spoke to her uh, last week and we were talking about you know, when, when the end comes and she brought it up. I didn't bring it up, but she brought it up. And we were talking, she was talking about how much stuff we're gonna have to throw away because she's been in this home for 50 years just collecting stuff. And my sister and I have already decided we're going to get a big dumpster and just put it in the driveway and just throw stuff out of the window into the dumpster. You know, just, it's just going to be a lot. Okay? And, and she's not, she, she never set out to say, well, hey, I'm going to just collect all stuff. It just happens. But here's the question. Are we investing in eternal things or temporary things? The Bible teaches us to work hard and be productive. Nobody, nobody, nobody here would say, hey, be lazy. Don't swing the pendulum. But if you're working hard and being successful in your career is at the expense of your relationship with Christ, you're out of balance. You're out of balance. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Timothy. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is one of the most common uh, misquoted Bible verses. Money is not the root of all evil. There's nothing evil about money at all. It's the love of money. It's when it becomes an obsession to gain more that it becomes evil. And what's interesting is we think, well, that doesn't seem like it's that evil. If you look at carefully at this verse, it's not that that particularly by itself is the evil thing. What happens is it drives you into all kinds of other evils. It drives you into, look what the Bible says there, into ruin and destruction. Now, nobody wants their life to turn out that way. Loving money and pursuing it at the cost of more important things is the beginning of to a lot of bad ends for us. Is pursuing that promotion or working your fingers to the bone both day and night causing you to misprioritize things? Look what it says in Matthew 6.24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this principle is universal, folks. It's universal in our lives. While it speaks specifically about money here, it's universal, which means you cannot have two number ones. You can't. It's impossible. You can't share the top spot. There are no ties in your priority life. And listen, I have attended probably hundreds of funerals in my lifetime, I've been in ministry since 1980. I've sang it hundreds of them, and I've preached dozens of them. And if you want to have a great deal of regrets on your deathbed, folks, you go pursue money, and you go pursue your career ahead of everything else, including God, and you will die alone full of regret that you cannot fix. You cannot fix it. You will realize only then that you've given your life to something that really has no value. The next most common distraction for us is entertainment and technology. Now, I searched the scriptures, and I used every tool that I have at my disposal to find, up a, uh, to find a passage that uh, uses the word computer or Facebook or Twitter in it. There are no scriptures. I couldn't find them anywhere. But this principle we just talked about uh, still applies, folks. And uh, listen, this is a problem in our culture. You don't have to be a genius to know that. Think back to that passage in Matthew 6, 24. You can't have two number ones. Our culture is steamed in entertainment and technology like no culture has ever been ever, ever, ever on the planet. In fact, some of you have been distracted during this sermon because you've gotten a text or someone posted on Facebook or you got a tweet and you've already been distracted five or six or seven times. I mean, every time I hear that ding, the cookings are done, I I know somebody's been distracted. We can't get away from it. It's, It's almost indoctrinating us and our kids. But let me ask you some questions, just for food for thought. Do your kids see you get more excited about taking them to the big game than they see you excited about bringing them to church? In other words, if the Chiefs make the play I mean, uh, sorry, when the Chiefs make the playoffs and you get tickets to a playoff game, are your kids going to see you uh, doing backflips and hooping and hollering and being so excited because you got tickets to the big game? But on Sunday morning, they go, yeah, get up. We got to go to church. Wow. We're sending a message there. And we shouldn't just be concerned about the message we're sending our kids We should be concerned about the message we're sending ourselves. Do you spend more time figuring up your fantasy football scores than reading God's Word? Do we spend more time each week watching television, going to movies, playing games on our phones than we do reading, studying, and memorizing God's Word? Listen, it's not our fault that we live in the most entertained society ever. That's just luck of the draw, God's sovereignty. But it is our fault if we knowingly and willingly put our feet in the trap of Satan and watch it clank shut. Listen, I get it that it's harder these days. When I was a child, uh, our television had three channels, four, five, and nine. And if we had one of those really wonky antennas, we could get 41. Kind of looked like it was snowing, but we could get 41. Now, you've got hundreds and hundreds of channels, hundreds of uh, choices. Uh, ESPN has, you know, 20 channels by itself. There's sports on TV all the time. In fact, I was uh, thumbing through the other day. A couple of people got angry in the first service when I said this, but tough. Uh, I was thumbing through the other day, and I'm just kind of going down, and, and they were having a curling championship. Now, how desperate have we become for entertainment that we're watching curling? And if you're a curling fan, I apologize, okay? But really, I mean, just everything. Listen, uh, this is a problem. You all know that. And we've got to just think about these things that distract us from really the best life that God wants us to lead. So how do we let go? How do we get rid of these bags the things that, we, that distract us all the time, how do we get rid of them? Well, let's talk about that. The best way to let go of distractions is to have a singular focus on Christ and his kingdom. It's not a singular priority. It's a singular focus. Doesn't mean we sit around in a convent reading God's word and praying 18 hours a day. We ignore our families, take a vow of poverty, never have any fun the rest of our lives. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what the Bible's saying. But it does mean that you put everything else in the proper perspective behind the number one priority that has to be in focus. That's what it is. Look at Colossians 3, verses one and two. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If our minds are focused on the right things, so will our choices and our behaviors. There are things that matter for eternity and things that don't. Do the things that do. By the way, when we're talking about this balance, I just want to help maybe correct some thinking. If your kids are involved in some activities and you miss 23 Sundays a year because of your kids' activities and you think, I've got a pretty good balance. because I still go to church those other weeks and it's still more. I still go to church more than I do my kids' things. Let me ask you uh, the question a little differently because it's not about a number. How, how many Sundays last year Did you miss church to do your kids' things? And how many times have you missed your kids' things because you came to church? You see, if you miss church 12 times to do your kids' things, and you haven't missed a single kid thing to come to church, what you're really teaching your kids is... Hey, listen, your your things, your activities are the biggest thing. They're the most important thing. And when we don't have something for you, then we'll go to church. Church is the default. It's the last priority, not the first. And look what it says in Matthew 6.33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying we need to seek We need to strive after, we need to run after this one thing. And I know you go, well, there's one thing, but there's two things listed. Right, it's two sides of a coin that cannot be taken apart. A coin has a head side and a tail side, okay? And, And the first thing, seeking first is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we need to seek that one thing, which is two sides of the coin. One side of the coin is God's righteousness, We need to learn to become like Christ. We need to represent him well. We need to be a good reflection of him. Our character needs to change. Our lives need to change. We need to be transformed by the the word and the spirit of God. That's one side of that coin. The other side of that coin is to uh, seek after the kingdom. Seek after God's kingdom. Any way that we can be a part of the kingdom and seek after the kingdom, we need to do that. Now, I know that I hear this every once in a while. And you've heard it too. I can be a great follower of Jesus and, a, and kingdom focused without being in a local church. No, you can't. No, you cannot. I challenge you to find one single person in the New Testament who said, Jesus, I love you, but I don't love your church, which you died for. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to be a Lone Ranger Christian. And he said, Rock on. It's just not there, folks. It's just not there. And so it's important that we participate in a gospel-believing, Jesus-preaching, each other-loving New Testament Christian church. We're not the only good one in town. There's, There's lots of good ones. If this is the right one for you, go find the one that's right for you. But you need to be in one. Listen, if we want to get rid of the baggage of of distractions. We need to do what this says right here in 1 Corinthians. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. That's what he wants from us. He wants from us undivided devotion, not divided devotion, not love me when it's convenient, follow me when it's easy, He's saying, "Listen, I want I want to be the number one. Men, your wives would lose their minds." I said that about ten times today. I? I don't know why everybody's losing their minds. Your wives would lose their minds if you went home today and said, "Hey, honey, I want you to know something. You're gonna be uh, my you're gonna be my favorite gal half the time." See, we 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 hear that and we're like, "Well, that's absurd. Nobody would say that and stay alive, right?" It just. Nobody would say that or think that. That's stupid. But how many times does our behavior communicate the same thing to Christ? Jesus, I'm going to serve you with my whole heart half the time. He doesn't want that, folks. He wants us to say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you with my whole heart all the time. All the time. And remember what it said in Matthew 6.33? To seek first the the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Listen, you wanna know how to get all those other priorities in the right order? You wanna figure out how God can set everything in order in your life? It's to put Him number one. When we do that, He just begins to work out all the other stuff. Listen, if we wanna get rid of the baggage of distractions, we can't just try to stop being distracted. We have to focus on the first priority. In other words, instead of saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to stop watching television as much this week. No, do something the other side of that, the positive side. I'm going to read God's word every day this week for 20 minutes. I'm going to pray every day this week for 15 minutes. Wherever you're at in that process, just take a step forward. We're a real believer around here on the fact that we're all on our separate spiritual journey, and you need to take your next step, just like I need to take my next step. Whatever that next step is, take it take it show him that you're serious about making him the number one priority in your life we do that by reading his word by praying by spending quality and quantity time praying and making the church calendar in red on our phones doesn't mean you can't ever miss because you got a family reunion we get all that stuff don't be goofy But it does mean that I don't miss 20 times a year because my kids are playing ball. Or I don't miss 20 times a year because my daughter's dancing and they practice on Sunday mornings. No, you don't, just don't do that. Listen, folks, focusing on God's kingdom always starts, always starts with a personal decision to receive Christ as your savior and commit your life to following him. And that comes from just understanding that we're all sinners We all do wrong things. And that separates us from God. And we can't do anything to fix that ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't master our lives well enough. We can't read enough self-help books. We can't fix our sinfulness. That's why God sent his son Jesus. To be born in a manger. To live a perfect life. And to give that life... A ransom, a payment for us on the cross. So that by putting our faith and trust in what He did, we could have our sins forgiven. We could be connected to God. We could read and understand His word, and His spirit would be in us to help guide us. Folks, that's where following Jesus starts. If you haven't made that commitment today, I want to encourage you to make that commitment today before you leave. Any of the people here can help you do that. And really, all you just need to do is just pray a simple prayer God, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm sorry for my sins. I know I can't fix it. But I know you sent Jesus to die for me. So I accept that as a gift. And I give my life to you. Help me to live it out the way you want me. In Jesus' name, amen. You can just pray a simple prayer like that. And you're making a conscious decision now to follow him, to start there. But folks, we gotta keep going from there. It's not enough to just say, Jesus, I'm gonna let you save me from hell. We gotta say, Jesus, I wanna make you number one. I want to make him number one all the time and it's a struggle it's a struggle for all of us if we're honest but we got to find ways to get rid of the distractions and make him the most important thing in our lives so that he can set in order all of the other parts of our lives let's pray father we thank you for your word and for your spirit that guide us and teach us father i pray that you'd forgive me for the times that i have been out of focus for the times that I have uh, put other things besides you in the number one spot. God, help us all to really uh, contemplate how to do this better. Help us not allow distractions and Satan's scheme to distract us, to overtake our lives. Help us to love the people around us, but not as much as you. Help us to spend time uh, doing the things we like, but not as much as spending time with you. God, help us to really truly live out making you a first priority in every way possible. God, we love you. We owe you everything, everything. Help us to live like we really believe that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.